thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. In the Gospel of John, the reason we're doing this series is Jesus in the Gospel of John, he makes seven I am statements. And if you've been coming the last few weeks, you know that. But if you're joining us for the first time, we're looking at what Jesus says about himself. His I am statements. What Jesus says about himself. And there's, there's many things that the world says about Jesus. There's many things that your friends, your family, co-workers, people are going to say about Jesus. But what does Jesus say about Jesus? And, and I think that, that Jesus reveals about himself what he reveals about himself, the, the revelations of who Jesus is, his I am statements are some of those powerful revelations in the Bible. Because who Jesus is affects how he relates to us. And how he relates to you and me literally changes the entire world. And at this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus is starting to pick up the pace in how he reveals himself. And last week we talked about how Jesus healed this blind man. You remember that? It was a week ago. I know it's a long time, but I think you remember. Jesus healed this blind man, and this blind man was blind from birth. And remember, Jesus like spit into some mud. He made a little mud pie. He put it on this dude's eyes. He told him to go wash him out. And then he like washed him, and then he can see, Right? And this town, that the, like the formerly now, formerly blind man, it's like artist formerly known as Prince, right? This, this guy formerly known as the blind man, he, he, he goes back to his hometown, and that, that hometown, dude, it starts buzzing. Like, people are talking, right? I mean, you thought rumors spread in high school really fast. Like, can you imagine living in a time where there's no electricity, there's no Netflix, there's nothing to entertain you except for rocks, sticks, and the latest gossip, all right? So you start hearing this story about a blind man that you know can now see, you're going to be like, I got to go check this out. You're going to drop whatever the heck it is that you're doing, right? And you're going to go see for yourself. And, and, and I just can't imagine, like it's hard for me to like imagine this scene of like this town of people that all know this dude. All know he's been blind from birth, have seen him begging on the street corner every day for just a little bit of money to, to live and to, to eat because he can't work because he's blind. It's kind of like the shunned outcast, but now this blind guy can see, and, and, and I can't imagine what the scene would look like, right? And for the first time, <laughs> this guy rolls up into town, and he starts putting the faces with the voices that he's heard for years. He can look into his mom and dad's eyes, and he is for the first time seeing the faces of the voices that he has heard every day for his whole life. And I, I can't imagine being the blind man walking up into town and all of this coming at you at once, and this whole crowd just coming around him, and then all the questions How? How did this happen? Who did this? And he says in John chapter 9, verse 11, he says, a man named Jesus. 
And I can just see him, I can just see him telling this story to the whole town of people that he's just now seeing for the first time ever in his life. I can just see him telling this story with just some excitement, some, he, he's, he's still trying to put together and comprehend what exactly has happened, and I'm sure for the first time, he's starting to recount this story himself. And, and he says, well, I, I was sitting in, in my normal place, I was just, I was begging for money, and, and this guy named Jesus just happened to be walking by with one of his followers, and, and I heard one of them ask, who had sinned so that I was blind? And, and, you know, it, that's a question that I've asked myself all my life. Was it me? Did I deserve this? Did I do something to deserve being blind? Or what? Was it my parents? Did my parents sin? Is this some type of punishment? Is this a punishment for my sins? Is this a punishment for my parents' sins? And I, I'm telling you, I sat there and I expected the same answer that I would always hear. The same answer that any other Jewish teacher of the law would give. And I thought that I would just hear the voice of this Jesus say that it was, it's my fault that I'm here. That it's God's punishment. But this man's answer was different. This man's answer was different. He said it wasn't any of those things. That my blindness wasn't a result of some mistake and then he said something kind of weird. He, he said that I am the light of the world. This Jesus says he's the light of the world. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've just sat in darkness wondering what it would feel like to see light. To not just know what it feels like on my skin in daylight, but to see what it lights up in the world around me. And this Jesus is saying that he, he is the light. And, and, and as I'm trying to comprehend that statement, it, I, I hear this sound like a, like a dude spitting into the dirt. And I couldn't see because I was still blind, but I, but I swear I heard him scoop it up and start mushing it together. And then the next thing you know, there's a hand on the back of my head. And this dude is rubbing mud into my eyes. And before I could even react, he told me to go wash it off. Like, duh, that was gross. And so as I make myself to the water and I'm starting to scrub this paste out, I can see some light start to creep into what was only been darkness. And I can start to make out some shapes and I can start to make out some faces of those around me. And for the first time, I'm starting to see. And, 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 I, and I, can only, I can only imagine what he felt. And I can only imagine the looks and the whispers of the town of people as he's telling this story. And I can only imagine him as he's walking back to town for the first time, seeing the places that he's felt and touched along the road the entire time back to his village. And then the town asks him, they say, where is he? Where is this Jesus? Where is this guy? And I can, I can, the guy he says, I, I don't know. I don't know where he is. He's gone. And so some, some of these people from his town, they, they, they take this man before the Pharisees, these religious leaders of the day, and, and he tells them this story, I'm sure the same way, again, that he just told it with the same amount of excitement and almost disbelief, and, and he, he tells how Jesus performed this miracle, 
And the Pharisees, they couldn't believe it. They think someone's trying to pull one over on them. They think they're being hoodwinked. They think that maybe this guy's being paid off, and they don't believe that he was actually blind, and now he can see. And so they call in this blind man's parents, and they're like, is this true? And his, his parents had to testify that, yeah, at one point, he was actually blind. And it says that the Pharisees were divided amongst themselves. Half of them said that Jesus couldn't be from God because he performed this miracle on the Sabbath, and, 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 and the, which is like it's a Jewish custom of a day of rest, and you weren't allowed to work on that day. And the Pharisees were like, well, if he's spitting the ground and he's making mud, he's working, so he's breaking the Sabbath, so he can't be from God. This, this, guy, isn't a, this guy isn't a prophet. This guy can't do miracles. But the other half said, well, if he... If he did this, uh, this can only come from God. And so they were split right down the center. And so they asked the blind men, they say, who do you say this man is? And the, bl the blind man didn't even get to look at him. He only knows what happened in the split second of a moment. And so because, the first thing that comes to his mind, he says, I, I believe he's, he's a prophet. He, he has to be. But the Pharisees couldn't accept this answer. They couldn't stand it. So they tell the blind man, listen, they say, stop giving credit to Jesus for your healing. It wasn't this guy. It wasn't Jesus who healed you. Stop giving credit to him. Just give, give the glory to God and we'll move on. Don't just discredit this Jesus fellow. Don't give him the credit. Just give the glory to God and move on. And it, this, I'm reading this, I started to think like, how many times in our life has Jesus done something big that only Jesus can do? And you go and you start telling others about it. And you're like, dude, Jesus did this crazy thing. And they're like, ah, I think that was kind of coincidence. It was kind of, that was just luck. I think that was just chance, dude. Like, the, they, you know, all the cards kind of fell in the right place. You were just in the right place at the right time. And people want to get you to not give credit to Jesus and just give credit to, like, blind luck. <laughs> And then you start, in your head, you go, well, was that, was that really God? Was that really Jesus who did that in my life? Did he really open that door, or was that me? Was that just chance? You get people trying to discredit the thing that Jesus is doing in your life. But the blind man, he answers the Pharisees, and he says, Listen, I don't know one way or the other who Jesus is. I just know that I was blind and now I see. And if this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. And the Pharisees, they get so angry about this. They get so mad. They toss him right out. Kick him right back to the street. Right where he was before when he was blind maybe on the same corner that he used to sit, he finds himself back out into the street, cast out like he was nothing. And here we pick up in John chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus heard they had thrown him out, and he went and found him. And he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He's asking him, do you believe in the foretold prophecy of a savior. Do you believe in the son of man? And the man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. And then Jesus says, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? And at that moment, he says, master, I believe. And it was at that moment that he put the voice 
to the face. The man who had healed him, and for the first time, he's looking Jesus in his eyes. The guy who did this miracle, who gave him his sight. And he says, Master, I believe. And then he worshiped him. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day. Making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. And you know Jesus knows that people are listening. Jesus knows that people are listening and some Pharisees overheard him and said, does that mean you're calling us blind? Are you calling us out? And Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. This entire scene, it was important to lay the framework of this entire scene because this incident, it sets the precedent for Jesus' third I am statement. And if you're following along, we're now at the beginning of John chapter 10. But it was, it was important to go over the context because, because Jesus right here in his next I am statement is speaking to a large group of people. Like diverse, not maybe not number-wise, but he's speaking to a large, diverse group of people. Because not only is he speaking to the blind man who can now see and revealing who he is, but he's also speaking to that man's parents who are there and revealing to them who he is. And then not only the parents, but you've got some people of that town and the village and the people who are just looking at the commotion of a dude getting thrown out and, and they're watching. And then you've got the Pharisees. And Jesus is revealing to them who he is. And in and and the statements he's making, he's saying, hey, look, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to open your eyes to who I am right now. And so Jesus, we find him making this third I am statement. And, and he's answering this burning question of who is Jesus. And trying to do it in a way that only Jesus could, in a way that they would understand, he says this at the beginning of John chapter 10. Let me set this before you as simply as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. A sheep rustler. How would you like to be a sheep rustler? Sounds fun. Mama, bad boy, I'm going to go rustle some sheep. <laughs> then the shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him, and the sheep recognize his voice. They recognize the shepherd's voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them, and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about. That ever happened to you? So we tried again. He said, I'll be explicit then. He said, I will explain deeper. I will try to go even more simple. <laughs> you ever have that happen to you? I mean, like, where you, like, explain something, and you take a while to explain something, and you think you did a really good job, and the person's like, I'm sorry, start again from the top, and it's that. Like... Like when a grandparent calls you, and they're like, I need to turn up the, the font size on my phone. You know what I mean? And then you're like, you're like, okay, all right, Grandma. Like, okay, you go to settings, and then you go to display and brightness, and then you go to text size. And they're like, I'm sorry again. 
And you're like, okay, let me get explicit here, Grandma. Let me go as simple as I can. Spiky round circle icon. The gear, spiky round circle. You see that? It's gray. You got it? You got it? Tap it. Okay. Now, scroll down by swiping up. I know it's confusing, Grandma. Scroll down by swiping up. Display in brightness. Touch that. Okay. Now go detect. And you got to go simply. You know, I know you've had that happen to you. And Jesus right here, he's told us. It's simple. He thought it was simple. He thought it was going to be easy for them to follow. But then he makes it even simpler. And he says, I'll be explicit then. Meaning I'm going to leave no room for interpretation of what I meant. I'm going to leave no room. He says this. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. You ever see a dude running down the street with a sheep, just stole it? He's like, we got to go, we got to get, I just took this sheep. <laughs> but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for. Anyone who goes through me will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Other translations say life and life to the fullest. And I've said this before, but one of my favorite things about Jesus is he takes the ordinary and he gives it extraordinary meaning. That he can take the, the things around us, the things that we walk by or touch every single day, the things that we don't even think about, and he can take the ordinary and give it extraordinary meaning. He takes what surrounds us physically and opens up our eyes to things he wants to do spiritually. And here Jesus, he uses an illustration that in the, in the time frame that anybody could understand. Like, anybody could get this. Like, sheep were a huge part of that demographic, all right? They were, like, a big part of the economy. Like, I, I think they, like, did sheep trading, you know, I don't know. You uh, take my sheep and I'll take yours. And like, okay, cool. You know, I don't know. And then, like, you, you know, you sold sheep, you shear sheep, you eat sheep. Sad, don't make friends with the sheep you're going to eat. You know what I mean? That's, like, a sad day. You're like, mm, you're going to be delicious. It's kind of awkward. But it, it was, like, a huge part of the economy, and, and, and religious or not, rich or poor, like you knew what a sheep was during that time. And you knew the illustration that Jesus was trying to make. But like, I mean, us today, we live in 2020. You know what I mean? You're not just like driving down knees, like waving at a sheep herder. And like as he's taking all his sheep to go graze in the fields at like, you know, Buchanan. You know what I mean? Like you don't show up for your track meet and there's a herd of sheep in the middle just grazing. Just like, man, sheep, you know? <laughs> but, but like, during this biblical time, like, sheep were always, like, they were out in the foothills. They were, like, in the mountains. Like, they were, like, large fields. Shepherds would be, like, leading the flock, and, like, the, the, the sheep would be grazing. I don't know if you know this, though. Depends how much you've been around sheep. Sheep are kind of dumb. Like, they're dumb. Like, dumb. Okay, you think you got, you got like, I know some of you probably have like a dog that you're like, that dog's dumb. You know what I mean? Like it's standing there with like its tongue out all the time, just dangling. And you're like, put that away. But like a sheep like is like really, they're like not the smartest animals out there. 
Like, they don't, they don't have the best, like, common sense, and they don't have the best homing sense. Like, if you put a sheep out, like, 10 yards, away, like, there's your house, and you put a sheep, like, here, it's going to have a hard time finding its way home. Like, it is terrible. It's like, which direction do I go? I'm so lost. That is sheep. They have a terrible, terrible homing sense. They would, like, totally just walk off the edge of a cliff and not even think twice about it. Like, this looks okay. And so at night, like, these shepherds really have to watch the sheep. Like, these people who take care of sheep, they have to, like, watch them. These shepherds, they have to corral them at nighttime into, like, a a pre-built, like, shelter where they got, like, make a sheep fold for them to sleep in. And basically, it was just, like, rocks piled up, kind of like however large you needed for the flock. You know what I mean? They're, like, piled up, like, three foot high. And, like, he could, he could either make it, like, right where he is by just grabbing some rocks, or maybe he'll, like, stumble upon, like, a pre-made one. But anyway, he, like, corral, the shepherd will corral them in there for the night, get them all in, he leads them all in. But then there's, like, there's no, there's no gate. There's no gate for this little corral. And instead of, like, stacking up stones and then, like, having to, like, unstack them to get the sheep out the next day, what the shepherd does is he lays down in the gap. He lays down in the gap, and the shepherd, he becomes the gate. The shepherd literally becomes the gate. Like, the the sheep don't get in and out unless they go through him. And, And whatever comes in and out, like, the gate's in charge of, right? Whatever happens inside the gate, whatever happens inside the walls, like, the gatekeeper is in charge of. And this is the, this is the scene that Jesus is setting in their minds. And he's saying, I am the gate. I am the gate. And when you enter into my shelter, you come through me. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will give you eternal life that only comes from me. And not only eternal life, but also life here on earth. Life and life to the fullest. Isn't that like the opposite of like what we believe sometimes? Like we, we think that Jesus is all about like following rules and guidelines. Like sometimes we get, we get it wrong. We think that all he wants is to make sure that we're like doing our, our, our Bible homework and like being good little Sunday school Christians and coming like, oh yeah, I go to first service. I get up early for Jesus. Extra points. <laughs> but like it, it's, we believe that he's just wanting to control us. That he's just wanting to put walls around us and have control over our lives and keep us in the pen. And we believe that he that he's, keeps us in the sheepfold so we can't get out and enjoy life like everyone else. But he didn't come to have control over us. He didn't come to make us some just religious fanatics that blindly follow the rules. He came to give us life, life to the fullest in a satisfying life. What we think is there to control us is only there to protect us. You following? What we think is there to control us is really there to protect us. Let me put it another way, because I don't know if you're following. Let me get explicit here, okay? Let me try to... Oftentimes, in our Christian walk, we get to a point where we're looking over the wall. We get to a point where we're in the sheep pen, we're looking over a wall, we're looking through the great gate, and we're thinking, man, the the grass is a little greener over there. That looks like some nice pasture. And we get to that point, we think, like, life would just be a little sweeter 
if we can just go outside of the walls of this pen and you start thinking, like, you know what, I can, I can do that on my own. I can like, build my own wall. I can make my own place. I can protect myself. I can be my own gates. I can, I can handle a little bit of sin. Like Jesus, Jesus says, hey, not to do that, but like a little bit, I think I can handle that. I think I got that. Not too much, not a whole lot, just a, just a little, and I'll be fine. It doesn't look that bad. But hear me when I say this. Our protection in life is not by surrounding ourselves with walls. Listen, listen. Our protection in life is not by surrounding ourselves with walls. It's by surrounding ourselves with Jesus. Our protection in life is not by surrounding ourselves with walls, but by surrounding ourselves in closeness with Jesus. Because closeness to Jesus, closeness to the gate, keeps out all the things that want to rob and steal and kill and destroy the life that God wants for us. Can I get an amen? Amen. McKinnon and I, um, we've had this sweet deal on Wi-Fi for a while, and we were getting like um, 75 75 megabytes a second um, for like 30 bucks a month. Okay, I don't know, some of you may not pay for your Wi-Fi. You're just like mooching off your parents right now. Ride that train as long as you can. (laughs) For the love of all that's holy, milk your parents, please. Because I'm paying for my own Wi-Fi and it hurts. But anyway, they, um, we had like this special deal going on and we came to the end of our deal and then we found out, we called some people and we did our best Karens that we could. Like, can we speak to our manager? We want a new plan. Uh, didn't work. I, I wasn't caring enough. Um, and, and so they were like, no, you got to get a new deal. So then I start looking at these internet plans, and they're like, hey, you can get this much internet for this price for your contract, and yada, yada, yada. So one of the deals wasn't bad. It was like going to up our plan to like 200 megabytes per second download speeds. Okay, I don't know if there's any people out there that know what that is. But it was going to make our plan better, okay? And it was going to be like 55 a month, all right? So we were like, okay, that's not bad. So then we're checking through all the stuff, click, 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 click. Got to, can you, you, here, you want an add-on for this? No. Do you want, like, Wi-Fi protection? Like, what do I need Wi-Fi protection for? No, I'm fine. He's like, do you want a router? No, I got my own router. Do you want that? No, that. I'm like, okay, fine. All right. Uh, uh, okay, we're good. So I get to the checkout now. Like, the last page, we got to hit the last button, and I see the total, and it's not making sense in my mind. The, the total is not, it's not right. It's saying like $80. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a $55 plan, all right? You're not getting me. You're not getting me. I ain't giggling that fun. So then I go back. And I'm like, okay, what did I accidentally add into the cart? You know what I mean? Okay, go back again. I'm not seeing any. Not seeing. So then I'm like, okay, that was like a fluke. I went all the way back to the beginning. $55 internet plan. Okay. Click, 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 click. $80. What is this? I go down to the fine print, and they want to add you with a little fee, all right? It's very tiny, fine print. It's like 15 extra dollars as a rebroadcasting fee. A rebroadcasting fee is basically them saying, hey, somebody is broadcasting this, and we're taking it, and we're showing it to you. We're not doing any of the work. They're doing all of it, but we're going to charge you for it. It's a scam. It's a scam, and they want to charge me an extra $15 a month. I'm like, this is, I'm getting hoodwinked. 
They're, they're doing the classic bait and switch. Hey, it's $55, but and then at the end you check out and it's really 80 bucks and they're hoping that somebody's just clicking through as fast as they can and then the next bill shows up and they're like, $80, then I pay $80, but then they don't have the time to call and then they're just ripping you off and month after month after month, they're bait and switching you. And bait and switch is one of the enemy's favorite tactics. Right, you see where I'm going with? Bait and switch is one of the enemy's favorite tactics. Because the enemy, he wants you to go, the grass is a little cleaner over there. It looks like a little better deal over there. You know what, Jesus? Jesus isn't working quite fast enough for where I want to go. I don't think he's quite done kind of what I need him to do. I, I don't know. I think I can get there on my own. I think I can do it myself. I think I can. I, I, and the enemy wants you to walk out of the safety of the gate that is Jesus because he knows he can't get you when you're close to Jesus. So he wants you to wander off thinking you're getting some kind of good, good when you're really getting that bad, bad. And then he snatches you up like Swiper from Dora the Explorer. And you're too far away from Jesus to hear him say, yell Swiper, no swiping. And you're just like, oh, and you're got. He entices you. The enemy entices you by making you think you're getting better for less. But at the last minute, he changes the deal. He charges you more than you would ever be willing to pay, and that's his game. What areas in your life have you been getting the old bait and switch? What areas in your life have you left the protection that is Jesus? Gone off on your own, thought you can do it yourself, thought you can handle a little bit, thought you were paying a certain amount, but the enemy starts charging you more than you were ever willing to pay, and your sin starts costing you more than you were ever willing to pay, and you find yourself in a deeper hole than you ever thought you would be in. What areas in your life are you getting that old bait and switch? Because what you thought would protect you leaves you out to dry. What you thought would fulfill you leaves you empty. I love the King James version of this passage. Right? Okay, who knows the King James version? You ever try to read it? Like it's, unless you're like going to a Renaissance fair, don't ever read King James version. Because it's like, hear ye, hear ye, Jesus cometh on the donkey. And it's like, it's, it's, it's just terrible. Don't read it. But I do like the way they translate here because instead of the word gate it uses the word door and it's like it's kind of the same very similar meaning right kind of the same thing but like I like it Jesus saying I am the door there's this there's this classic totally manly totally cool movie called Frozen Okay, don't laugh, guys, all right? Like, I know, like, you've seen it. You know all the songs. Come on, you sing along, all right? There's this one song that Anna sings, and she's like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. It's just catchy, okay? And she starts, she starts out, and she's like, can I just say something crazy? And he's like, I love crazy. Like, if a guy says he loves crazy, run. He's just trying to get what he wants, and then he's going to bounce. No guy loves crazy, Okay? Don't listen to the lies of the devil. You say, away from me, Satan. That's what you tell a guy who says, I love crazy. All right, so anyway, so, uh, but she sings this line in this song, love is an open door, right? And she, she sings this line. She says, my life has been a series of doors in my face. 
Dude, when she's saying that, I was like, dude, I feel that. Like, I felt that deep in my soul. Like, life, really, it's just a series of doors right in my face. And I think that this time period that we're all in, like this 18 to like late 20s phase, is just a series of doors, one after the other. One by one by one by one. There's so many choices to make. There's so many different routes you can take. It's a series of doors, many, many doors, one after the other. Our careers, our relationships, what we're eating for lunch every day, that's one of the biggest decisions I make. It's either going to really make me happy or it's going to wreck the rest of my day. You ever have bad seafood? Your lunch choice matters, all right? But, but Jesus says, he says, I am the door. Because there's so many choices, it's what door do we take? Not all doors that are open to you are doors you should walk through. Hey, not all doors open to you are doors you should walk through. Hey, but the opposite, the opposite, not all doors that are shut to you now are going to stay shut to you. Not all doors that are shut to you now will stay shut to you. Sometimes God wants you to stand in front of a shut door and not go through the open one to your right, not go through the open one to your left, because that shut door, he's going to swing wide open. And if you're busy dwelling someplace else that you're not supposed to be, you're going to miss that opportunity because some doors that are shut, God will open to you. Do you hear me? And Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Just like Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Just like Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the door. And when we enter into his door, we gain not just eternal life, not just eternal life, but eternal blessing. We earn, when we walk through that door, not even earn, we're gifted, we're giving, the eternal blessing of life and life to the fullest. And not just in the afterlife, but in this life. Whoa, Jake's getting a little prosperity gospel. This isn't prosperity gospel, this is Jesus gospel. He says, when you live life through me, you will live life and life to the fullest. And that's the greatest blessing that you can get. And we will, when we walk through the series of doors that Jesus lines up for us, when we walk through the doors and opportunities that he is laying out in our lives, we can know and trust that we're living in our purpose. We can know and trust that we are living in our best lives and we don't have to second guess if we, if we, if we need to go somewhere else or do something else on our own. When we live according to Jesus, we can know that we have the blessing that comes from him being the door and we know that any door we walk through, that is Jesus, is the door that we need to walk through and we will always have the blessing of the God, of the Jesus over our lives and over our careers and over our relationships and, and over our dealings and over our lunches, over anything. I turned 26 this year. Last year, um, I turned 25. And some of you may be older than 25 in here. Um, some of you may be a long way from 25. I don't know. But 25 was like, um, I had a quarter-life crisis, <laughs> okay? Some of you may have heard me talk about this, but like, I went through a period of, oh my goodness, what am I doing with my life? And like, I, no, seriously, like, I started comparing myself 
to other worship leaders. Um, I started comparing myself to other people in my profession, and, and I, I started thinking about, like, man, those people are farther along than me, and, I, like, the, those people are more talented than I am. I don't think I'm going to make it very far in this career. And I started to look back at, at all the doors I could have walked through, I started to think about all the money that I could be making by not being in ministry. I started thinking about all the different places I could be living if I didn't stay in town for college. I started playing the comparison game. You ever play the comparison game? Hannah, you play the comparison game? Yeah. I started playing the comparison game, right? And I started to get into a rut. But then I realized, then I realized that they say comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is a thief of joy. And I was letting the enemy creep in and steal and kill and destroy all the good that God had placed in my life, all the amazing doors that only he could open, and I was letting the enemy suck out all the fulfillment, all my peace, because doubt started getting to me, questioning the goodness of the door that I had walked through. I started thinking that my life could just be a little bit better through another door, life maybe just a little better on the other side of the gates. And how many times are you playing the comparison game in your own life? Well, the, the door God opened for that person looks a little better than the one he opened for me, so maybe I should just try that on my own. Maybe I can just do things my own way because it works, it works well for so many other people. I see people all the time on Instagram. They got a lot of followers. They look happy. They're influencing. I don't look like I'm influencing. I need to be influencing. I can, I can do this. But when you walk through doors not meant for you, you walk into a life not lived to the fullest. When you walk through doors not meant for you, you walk into a life not lived to the fullest. Because the enemy, he likes to make, look, he likes to make doors look all attractive and pretty and, 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 and what could be wrong with going through this door, but it's a trap because you walk into a life open to the attacks of the enemy. Because our protection doesn't come from any walls we build in our life, our protection comes from closeness with Jesus. That closeness comes from walking through the gates. That protection comes from walking through the doors meant for you, through the gate that is Jesus. And Jesus says that when you walk through this door, he's gonna take care of you. Because when Jesus becomes our gate, when he is our door, he puts himself between us and everything else in this world that wants to do us harm. And by walking through the door of Jesus, when we open the door of the blessing of a life lived in relationship with him, we are living life to the fullest. There's always those like medieval shows, uh, times of like knights in shining armor and they're on horses and there's always that one point in a show or a movie like that where like the enemy is attacking the kingdom and someone yells close the gates he yells close the gates and that big gate is the one thing keeping the enemy out and jesus jesus is that one thing that you can trust jesus is the gate He's the one person that you can count on day after day to be the person that keeps the enemy away. He's the one person day after day that's going to take care of you, that's going to provide for you, that's going to show you the path. 
the one person day after day whose voice you can trust. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. Not in anything that this world has to offer. Not in yourself, not even in others, but in Jesus alone. He protects, he provides, and he blesses.